Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. The Custard TV Podcast. Can we remember how this works? How's your lives been in, in, in the interim period between podcasts? Mine's been all right. I'm a lot happier now. It's a lot cooler. Yeah, I, I'm still in the boot. You know, I've got another t- couple of weeks of that. I thought you were podcasting from the car then. I thought, Gary's here a hard time. I could, I could use another uh, he wasn't living in the garage. Now he was living that was in the garage. <laughs> yeah, downsizing. You, Matt, how's the um, the job? We're not allowed to talk about through uh, privacy reasons. How's that going? Yeah, good. Yeah. See, that's how much <laughs> we're allowed to say about it. You know how on the podcast about four weeks ago we talked about your leaving present from from the, from yes, the post office. Yes, the bins. Yeah. Yeah. What did you get? Funny story. I got a CD of James Bond themes. Um, I got a Mark Como book that I've already got, like the Movie Lovers Cookbook or something it was called. But I went on somewhere afterwards, so I gave them to one of the girls who who works at the post oh, office lives no. on the same street as me. So I still actually haven't got them. I was given them, but she still got them. Perhaps she's posting them to you. <laughs> well, I, I've, I, I've seen her a couple of times, and she's oh, I'll send you a text. And I just hope mm. she doesn't listen to this. If you checked it for eBay, you need yeah. to check. The thing is, though, they got me a CD. I don't have a CD player, and I haven't got a DVD drive in this computer anymore. I've got a desktop computer, so I've got a CD drive in it, a DVD drive. So that's the only way I could play it. If And I've got I, one in the car. I've got a console. That's how I watch DVDs. I haven't got a DVD player anymore. I've just got I've a console. I have got a DVD player, but it would it feel weird playing music through the TV. Yeah, that messes with you. Yeah. My, uh, yeah. I don't think music television will ever catch on. No. Luke. Hey, everybody, here's our staff. Gary. I've never heard of him before today. And Matt. He's a professional. Talking telly. Try it. Just for one week. Just try the program for one week. This is the Custard TV Podcast. TV news. There's none apart from this pre-recorded chat with... um, the guys from EastEnders Weekly Podcast about the appointment of Kate Oakes, former uh, Coronation Street and Emmerdale exec, to the BBC to work on EastEnders. My thing with EastEnders at the moment is it feels like it's got no clear guidance because John York came in after Sean O'Connor, you know, basically set a bomb off on the square and just obliterated set a bus, the... Set bus crash off. Oh, I'd just forgotten about the bus crash. I mean, oh, no, sorry. Um, 
So he, so he came in and obliterated it, and poor John York had to do some tidying up. But he was only a temporary stand-in till they found somebody. So it didn't really <laughs> feel like it had a lot of guidance. And now it seems like Kate Oakes is coming in, but will her time being split with Casualty and Holby City? I wonder again whether there's going to be a clear voice at the helm to say this is the direction we want it to go in she is going to work still with um john york there's there's rumors to say that john york is going to kind of coincide with her appointment at the same time mm, there's like a slight handover yeah whereas obviously in the past of executive producers when one leaves and one starts you always get that defining moment when you can tell there's a brand new yeah. executive producer and it's always a little bit messy yeah and that yeah. was the biggest problem when sean o'connor left suddenly to then have John York. Obviously, John York knew he was um, not going to be there permanently, so it's been hard for the past sort of eight months knowing yeah. that he can't lay any foundations which are going to last longer than a few months at a time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with Kate joining and that soft transition they're having, it's going to be less of um, an issue, and mm-hmm. hopefully it'll be a nice smooth transac- transaction and <laughs> wow. it can all I mean, look good. Because it feels like it's lost a bit of oomph uh, yeah. for a long it's, time. It, it felt that the BBC had lost its confidence in it. And I think this is the first step for that confidence to be boosted, for people to want to watch it again, make it compulsive viewing again. It's probably going to be very likely a similar setup as what she did with Coronation Street and Emmerdale. And that is, although it'd be tempting to do a mass cull of characters to try to push a new agenda in, she mm. tends to like to keep what they have and building on it. And EastEnders being a programme which is all about family and reputation and uh, legacy, it probably worked well or better than it would have worked, perhaps, and if, well, it did work well on Coronation Street. It would have worked mm. better in, in an environment like EastEnders. Yeah. I was in the room uh, all those years ago now when like the BBC's content director, Charlotte Moore, was appointed and she said, one of my first jobs at the BBC is I want to make EastEnders appointment viewing. I want to make it the best drama on the BBC. And I remember the whole room sort of did an audible snigger. <laughs> um, and then she brought Dom Treadwell Collins in mm-hmm. and he he managed to make it exactly that. Everybody was talking about who killed Lucy, but not only that, there were so many other... It felt like everybody had a story at that time, and there was no dead weight. And I don't think everything he did was perfect, but I think for the most part he did deliver on his brief of making it one of the strongest and most talked about shows in the country. And what saddened me is that when Sean O'Connor came in, Charlotte Moore obviously thought, well, we've done our job with EastEnders, mm. it's, it's fine now, we'll give it over to someone else, and it was wrecked again. And I don't feel like, really, it's recovered, uh, even though John York's been at the helm and been part of the team before. I don't feel like he's been able to steer the ship in the right direction again. I feel like we're still somewhat in the Sean O'Connor era, minus the bin chat. <laughs> yeah it, it, the show it feels a little bit like it's sort of in limbo at the moment obviously John York never had intentions of staying I mean to begin with he was only meant to be there for a few months and they've kept adding a few months here and a few months there onto his contract um, but I think the trouble with Sean O'Connor was he was trying to take it back to its roots of it to be a community and a slow paced drama and that slow paced storytelling it just doesn't seem to work with the modern day audience people want things quicker a lot more Mm. drama and that's the one thing that Dominic Treadwell Collins did really well loads of surprises Mm. so you had to tune in on the day not catch up on iPlayer two weeks later 
it was that appointment mm. television and i hope that's what kate oaks is going to do so it's always nice when you're surprised by a soap in in it's almost non-existent nowadays that they're, they're, they'll release information weeks months in advance of characters coming and uh, storylines that will be happening when, when they do give you that surprise that's what makes it appointment television and I, I, I think yes knowing what's going to happen does make people watch but sometimes not knowing and making it this oh hang on you need to watch it it's going to be mm. something could happen mm. and mm. with Kate Oak hopefully this would be something that she'd like to implement again into uh, the soap it's something I've never understood about soap the way they te- they sort of tell you what's going to happen because I'm watching dramas all the time where we get to see them beforehand so we can write about them, but I'm told, don't say this, don't say that, don't tell them about Mm. this bit. And if you're going to do a whole build-up to Cat's dead and what we get, you know, I can't (laughs) cope with Cat being dead, but the news of Jesse Wallace coming back has been out there for months, then that has no impact at all, does it? Yeah, that's a prime example of... Because they released that trailer saying, oh, Cat's dead. There's this whole funeral trailer. They built it up. But mm. all the fans, if you're a fan of EastEnders, everyone knew she was back yeah. as a full-time character. So it really took away from any surprise or suspense or anything. Well, I mean, that. even in the trailer, um, they actually showed Jesse Wallace walking up to the pub at the end of yes. the trailer. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of ruined their own... I, I don't know who that was for, you know. <laughs> I mean, building on the point we, we touched on about building families back up, I do think the idea of the Bills getting reintroduced, you know, Bobby... Cindy. Cindy, yeah, you know... Jane. Ian is looking really lonely in the, in the soap at the moment, and it's... Mm. it's and the stories they're giving him are just mm. ridiculous. I don't know why they've made Masood such a clown. He was never a clown. No. When he yeah. was there before. You're absolutely right. And funnily enough, we were, we were watching um, old clips of Masood and the stories he was given to portray were just amazing. And mm. they were really well crafted and done. And it's a shame that they've, yeah, they've made them into like, into like comedy. this comedy duo. And they've also undone a lot of Ian's character building through the past few mm. years with the death of his daughter he really changed as a character and john york seems to have taken him right back to what he was like in the 90s of this bumbling mm. fool who businessman mm. who owned all businesses and yeah. i think it's kind of undone that character and also stacy having an affair with max at christmas kind of took mm. her character back again she had yeah. so much character growth and she was growing into this almost like mm. a matriarch a new matriarch of the square mm. and her having that affair with max again took her character back and it's, it's we need to look forward well, it took her back to when, back. absolutely it took her back to the storyline at christmas when she was having the affair behind bradley's back so it's taken yeah. her like 10 years there's a big call for sharon and phil to break up and then bringing uh, the old sharon back mm. um i mean they, they are touching upon that now where obviously there's hints of a storyline that's coming about with her and keanu um but uh it would be lovely to see the old sharon because again watching some sharon in her little catty era, it would be lovely <laughs> to see that come back. It's like the announcement that they've announced that they're bringing Ruby Allen back this year. That's and bizarre, to me, isn't it, it? it just sounds so bizarre because mm. she was only in it for like less than two years. Mm. I haven't heard anyone call out for a Ruby Allen return. No. I'd much rather see a new character or a new family because you have the mm. Taylors who are introduced, the latest, newest family, and they've been so popular. And it just goes to show you don't always need to rely on the past. You know, believe and in I, your I think Hayley is actually quite an interesting character as well. Mm. I, it's just a shame what they've done with her, sort of pairing her with Alfie. It's so predictable yes. that mm. 
she could be an interesting character without all this this unnecessary backstory that's obviously going to affect Cat in a big way. But I think it needs somebody with a clear vision to come in and stick a rod up its bum for the life yes. of it. You know, it, it needs mm. it needs life breathing into it again. Yeah, yeah the, I mean, the cast are, are a great cast. Mm. They're really strong actors, even people like Masood, who has this awful comedy at the moment. When he's given mm. good dialogue, good scenes, excellent. I don't think it's a matter that they need to shake the cast up because mm. they've had so much of that in recent history that we just need stable characters that people care about, characters that interact with each other and not are just left solely on their own. So in this small square, and it's a community of London, it needs to have storylines that are overlapping with each other some twists keep any surprises or returns quiet until they happen <laughs> and it becomes appointment viewing again and i mean no more chess no more chess although they no can't more chess, promise no that. more bins <laughs> no more bin storylines <laughs> and no more pasta yeah and then also if they're going to do a big storyline a big uh, disaster storyline like the bus crash which we um touched on just a minute ago uh, you know do it properly don't just do it one episode it's almost like someone went into the writing room and said oh should we do a bus crash? Yeah, all right, then we'll add that to the script. Mm. I mean, that bus crash was slightly part of the hate towards Sean O'Connor. I think it was written in quite last minute, wasn't it? What's your thought of them reducing the number of episodes down to three? Because a lot of people are saying that it's the volume that's weakening the show. What's, yeah, what's your I mean, thoughts on that? I don't think this may be sounding awful. I just don't think the writing's as strong as it used mm. to be in 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 uh, years gone by and that might be because the set of writers are just pushed to come up with things all the time for four four nights a week and they don't get enough time to sort of think about what they're doing or think about the characters of times gone by because the genius of a soap is you've got with somebody like ian you've got donkey's years of material of who he is and who he was and things that have gone gone on for him in the past and i just don't think that they're able to capitalize on the backstory when they're delivering four episodes a week mm. at that level it must be an awful balancing act and i certainly couldn't do it but i don't think there'd be any harm in losing an episode a week mm. yeah i agree i i, I remember when they ex uh, expanded coronation street to six episodes and um, i remember seeing an interview with uh, someone who worked on these tenders and they said oh how did how's uh, people feeling, uh, the, you know, in EastEnders about them having six episodes now. And she, and she said, everyone feels sick because we don't want to go anymore. <laughs> you know, they are no. stretched enough already. Mm. I, I must say, I'm in the camp of reduce it down to three. The only trouble with reducing it is if it makes public think that they're not confident in the show by reducing it. Um, yeah, mm. That's the only thing is the public opinion. We don't need as much because, yeah, it's not mm. doing as well. I mean, I don't know about the ratings. I don't know how well it does or doesn't do. It, but... It's doing okay. It's 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 still the, one of the most watched shows on the BBC, but um, it, and on the iPlayer, it's always it's in the iPlayer. Top. It's it gets about two million on the iPlayer pretty consistently. Um, uh, but then that's going back to us hailing, saying, but really, you want to make it appointment TV? You don't want to catch up on it no. on a Saturday or something like that? You got yeah. us for that. You can listen to us on a Saturday or a Sunday for <laughs> what's and going on. Not, and there's not the omnibus anymore, of course, either. Yeah. I know. Well, they that's moved. What we're for, so that's what see. we're here see we say we're the audio omnibus <laughs> we've mentioned buses so much in this podcast it's getting ridiculous <laughs> London isn't it Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take a drink every time we say bus or any form of it. <laughs> But yeah, where can people find you to listen to you and get more details? If they're if they're massive EastEnders fans, how do they find you? Well, we're on all the outlets. You can find us on iTunes um, and subscribe and listen to us on that. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify. Um, or just if you've got a on YouTube. On YouTube. I mean, we are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not choosy by the sound of it. <laughs> all you have to do is uh, look up EastEnders Weekly podcast, um, yeah. and you can find us on Twitter at EastEnders Weekly. Um, and also, oh, sorry, at EastEnders Week and also on Instagram at EastEnders Weekly Podcast. Um, and yeah, we're, always, we're like a bad smell. We're always around. And you're not reducing your amount of episodes per week. You're sticking with one. Well, we, we're actually, in, uh, once a month, we increase it to two, um, including... Uh, Practice this... what you preach, lads. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, uh, every month we do a special extra episode. And um, I, I don't know, when's this coming out? Uh, this this will be out on Thursday or Friday. Oh, right. So it will yeah. already be out. So uh, if you look up um, uh, EastEnders Weekly Podcast, uh, yeah. you'll find that we've got a special extra episode where we actually watch the very first episode live and discuss it while we're watching it so uh do do have a listen to that as well thank you drama channel yes oh yeah. yes we've been, we've been hooked absolutely hooked <laughs> when you watch the first one can you see the building blocks of what it is now or is it just so far removed no, from well, what it's become it's funny because we were in the in the podcast if you see if you uh, have a little listen spoiler alert spoiler we do we do <laughs> say that it really stands up today um the, yeah. the very first episode mm, it's just a lot more community driven back then obviously they had mm. all the bills and the watts and things the dialogue is so different back then half of it wouldn't be accepted nowadays no, <laughs> the things that were being no. said by some of the most popular characters if it was being said today they'd be hated but also some yeah. of the visuals because they, they blur it out now because they're obviously repeating it in yeah. today's uh television but um yeah. there was um a, a picture of a naked woman on the wall of the vic just that might there. be what it's missing but maybe yeah. maybe they need more naked well they did do the calendar Remember if that Sonia was that case the... five nights a week <laughs> five nights a, week. a special late night episode yeah. eastenders yeah. late like Hollyoaks. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan Legs and Ben. If you're a big fan of EastEnders and want a weekly podcast of EastEnders in your life, follow them at EastEnders Week on Twitter and listen every week to their podcast, EastEnders Weekly. Now, though, back to us as Gary goes west.
So we've got two reviews of some shows that have started this week, both of them on the newly renamed Sky Witness, which was previously Sky Living, the first of which is For the People. Now, this is a, a legal drama, and it's been created by someone who was very heavily linked with Shonda Rhimes, actually was a, an executive script producer on Scandal. And it basically revolves around freshly barred lawyers. Uh, they've passed the bar and now they're working. Three of them work for the prosecution and three of them work for a defence firm. There isn't really much to tell you about this. That Unfortunately, it seems to be based very much around the relationships and the law. It almost seems to be sort of like a half and half show. So by the end of the first episode, the couple that were together are on opposite sides and they've broken up already. It's quite sort of like formulaic. The law is quite kind of straightforward. There's no investigations type stuff like you get in like The Good Fight or The Good Wife. It really is just turning up and, and arguing the law and, you know, finding things out. Some of them work pro bono cases. Some of them work the more high profile cases. It's not really much beyond that. And, and the acting is quite generic. You don't really get an awful lot of insight into them as characters in this first episode there was nothing really intriguing or new nothing that's going to make me watch a second episode there is a second series coming which is why i think it's been given a a showing so i mean there is going to get a second series i I think in america they call them mid-season replacements oh and the opening theme is from the eels nova came for the soul i was just gonna say oh really oh gosh not not the eels that gary was in when no that's a that's a a deep reference for you if you've been listening going back to the podcast archives (laughs) Yeah, you have to I listen back to that for, one. I'm not really. I can't wait for Gary's thoughts on this next one. I just, I'm, I'm more excited about this than anything I've been for a while. This is nine one one. This is created by Ryan Murphy, who has had quite a checkered past on this podcast. I would say that there is a real hit and miss feeling with his shows. None of us have liked American Horror Story. None of us did. Any of us like Glee? I don't think we did. I liked the first season of. I watched the first two seasons, but it became like too much of a big thing, if you know right. what I mean. It believed in its own hype. I suppose, really, the biggest thing that's come out of Glee is the fact that the lead actor died, wasn't it? Really, and really, that's been the most... Two of the the lead actors died. Did they? Two? The one one of them who was in prison for, like, child porn. Oh, yeah, him as well. Gosh, you're right. We we did have run the gamut on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Glee I liked originally, but as I say, I think it brought into its own hype. I've never... It's not that I don't like American Horror Story. I've never been sort of compelled to watch it. And then then the other side of that is you've had things like Feud, which Matt really liked, American Crime Story. Um, Yeah, but to be fair, the only American Crime Story, there's only been two, but the one I liked was the one that Ryan Murphy's name was on, but he wasn't really involved in. How did we feel about Nip Tuck? I liked the idea of it. I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I no, hate it I, when I he think... says this. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think the original premise of the show of them being these kind of like the kind of amoral, immoral person. And I thought that Australian guy, is it Julian something, was a very good actor at the time. One of my favorite Ryan Murphy ones was something called Popular. I don't know if anyone remembers remember that. I remember, that. I remember showed, that. It showed on Channel 5 over here. Yes, I oh, remember right. that. sort of like a proto... Yeah. Almost like a proto-glee without the singing. It was like a high school thing. And one everyone forgets about because it didn't last very long, The New Normal. I know yeah. the title of that, but I don't remember the premise. It was about surrogate parents, surrogacy parents. And, it, and if I could just go back to uh, Luke's uh, uh, egotistic, I liked the American crime story about O.J. Simpson. It's not all about you. No, you, Gary, you liked it. 
Yeah, I'm saying Luke suddenly jumped in and went, well, I didn't like the American crime story. Only no, the I second... said the only one I liked was the yeah, one I where know. Ryan Murphy wasn't involved. So all, really. of, of the two, you liked one. Yeah. The one that wasn't Ryan Murphy. was it. 50%. Anyway, so I think we've established there's a fair bit of mix about Ryan Murphy. <laughs> wow. What are we talking about? 911. 911, what's your emergency? You know why they make us wear these uniforms? Sex appeal. <laughs> True. <laughs> but it's also for our own good. Because when we take the uniform off at the end of the day, it symbolizes letting go. All the crazy things we've seen that day. I love this job because sure I get to be the tough guy, but I also get to help people. 911, what's your emergency? It takes a certain kind of person to run towards danger rather than run away from it. And for those of us that choose this life, there's no place we'd rather be. How come I'm not dead? Because you are the luckiest son of a bitch and the unluckiest son of a bitch on the face of the earth. I think you could certainly say that this centres around three main characters. The first of which is Connie Britton's Abby Clark, who plays a first responder 911 uh, telephonist. So, oh my god, this... that's that. if you've got that on your podcast card, <laughs> take telephonist off. I'm, I'm getting names right. <laughs> I'm being prepared. She's she's a, she's a first responder. She's not that's a... my job. Well, telephonist makes it sound like she's just taking uh, calls. And I'm, going. I'm a, I, she's a nine one one operator. Yes, thank there you. you go. Of these three main characters, you get a little bit of their side backstory. And hers is that she has <laughs> what? What's the funny? <laughs> carry on, Gary. Carry on. Carry on. Side backstory, maybe. Said side back, and it made. Oh, Luke whatever. Back. Carry on. Her story is that she has an elderly mother who has dementia and she cares for her as well as doing this job. Then you have the excellent Peter Krause playing senior fire officer Bobby Nash. He is a former alcoholic um, who goes to see a priest every week. He finds that helpful. And he's kind of like the very much the father figure of a very mixed group of firefighters. You have uh, a real mix of ethnicities and backgrounds then you get the police officer played by Angela Bassett, Athena Grant. Her sort of uh, side story is that her husband has just revealed that he's gay and has always been gay. Uh, and even though they've been married and have two teenage children. Uh, but you They're only not get... teenagers, are they? Well, one was a teenage girl. The other might have been about a nine-year-old boy, whatever. <laughs> um, Minutia. Has been... <laughs> I miss doing this. Right getting no credit for this i'm gonna go back to vague so and so is on this and they were in a thing before right. i'm trying something new for the autumn what having the catalyst on Shut up. premise of the show is that you start by seeing connie Britton's character taking the first phone or call hearing her voice you get to then step into the actual live scene with the firefighters and the police. So you have two or three main cases a week in this episode. You had someone who had managed to flush a baby down the loo and it got stuck in a pipe. You had a robbery that turned into a kidnapping of a young child. It drew me in by the end of the episode. I think at the start I was like, this looks horribly generic. I don't quite understand how these things fit in. You know, uh, Connie Britton's story was quite interesting, how she said, 
my involvement in the cases ends as soon as the person on the other end clicks the phone. You know, I kind of thought maybe that some of the the, the scenes might have been more sort of dreamlike, you know, her imagining what the scene would be because her point ends. And then you got into the kind of like the police bit as well, which added a different element. By the end, I would say this was above average. I quite liked it and I'm intrigued to watch another one. And Connie Britton, despite not really being featured throughout the whole episode, I mean, she was great in Nashville. She was great in Friday Night Lights. She is an engaging character, uh, actress. And Peter Krause is great. It's escapist fun. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's not to be taken seriously. I think if you try and take it seriously and and view it as a dra- as a gritty drama about these first responders then you're going to be disappointed it's just escapist fun it's fluff it's light i agree completely with you about connie britton i loved her in friday night lights and i think i will watch her do anything and she does have this way of bringing you into the world quite well of whoever she plays but i i was drawn in but probably not enough to stick with it because i know the scenarios that they they find themselves in. This is all aired, by the way, in the states. So I'm sort of aware that the scenarios mm. they find they find themselves in later on in the season get more and more bonkers. It's almost like Casualty on the BBC, where it's escapist fun, not to be taken seriously. It knows what it is and it goes for it. And I'm just not really one for escapist fun. It's not the kind of thing I latch on to. I, I didn't know the sort of the tone it was going for because it didn't seem well, to be going problem, for a sort of a campy tone like a fun. It was trying to be serious. I thought anyway, there wasn't apart from the bit with the snake. There didn't seem to be any particular comic moments. You know, every everyone had quite a stony face on them. It was mm. it was very humorless, really. I found. I mean, I like Angela Bassett, but I feel that the story that she's in is a bit far fetched. They're all very sort of, you know, nobody's trying very hard, are nobody's they? Trying very hard, he, and I read that they're already been renewed for a second, longer season with uh, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt joining the cast. I mean, if that's not going to perk it up, I don't know what will. I suppose this is one of those have it on in the background shows. I think yeah. was that what you were meaning by that? Well, I, I think really it's just it's background noise, yeah. and it's it's what it is. When I say escape is fun, what is what I mean is it switch your brain off. TV. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I could watch this whilst twittering. I could watch this while having me dinner, and it wouldn't be a problem. You're not going to get massive character development because it's going to focus more on the the, the zanier, you know, the, the the emergency, the better. I think is what these shows for. do very well because of the fact that don't require a huge amount of attention. There's an audience out there that doesn't want to sit and have to analyze every scene and think oh, no, about every plot twist. It's on Fox in the US, so their their standard of drama isn't my cup of tea anyway. 911 is on Wednesday nights on uh, Sky Witness. You can uh, read a review that's on the website now. TheCustardTV.com is where you'll find it. Through the magic of podcasting, we are now joined by a writer for the site, Stephen. His reviews on Sharp Objects and Unforgotten can be found at the website, TheCustardTV.com. However, we're here today to talk about the final episode of The Handmaid's Tale and the season as a whole. The final episode aired on Sunday on Channel 4. It was where Serena decided that she wanted a better future for the baby. But Serena went and had a conference in front of all of the male leaders of Gilead and read some of the Bible. She didn't want the daughter brought up in such an atmosphere because since these women came from 
happy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before they were allowed to read, even if they're not now, but their daughters will not have that same privilege. So she wanted to put forward to the council that younger girls should be entitled to read so that they can also learn God's way. And uh, I'm not sure if they would have ever really considered it, but it was going all right until she started reading from the Bible and then all of the other women left. Serena was punished because of her actions. And uh, I think that was really where she realized that this is never going to work. And when June got the opportunity to escape, Serena didn't resist in taking the ba- letting her take the baby with her. Of Glenn, as she was, takes yeah. her moment to take revenge on Aunt Lydia, something that fans of the show have been wanting for a long time to see her to see her suffer in a similar manner to how she's made the handmaid suffer over time. So there was that. And as you alluded to, June gets a chance to escape and leave. And for reasons I'm still not entirely clear on, gives the baby over to Emily and the talking heads burning down the house plays uh, in the background while Alfred or June looks fiercely into the camera. And... I kind of felt a little bit let down. This is why I wanted to have this conversation. I I felt a little bit let down because I didn't expect to fall under the spell of The Handmaid's Tale this time as much as I did. I appreciated it last series for what it was. I found it a bit of a slog. I found it hard going. But I I thought it was an important and well-executed piece of television. This series, which went completely away from the books... Uh, and just went on its own way was just so mesmerizing to me and I, I I lapped it up I felt like they made so many good decisions over the course of these final few episodes bringing in Bradley Whitford and he was a really fascinating character I was even trying to starting to sympathize with Serena and the re- the the idea of her not escaping when she's had this choice and the fact that everyone else left that I cared about made me sort of think they've burned through story too quickly. If it's another 13 episodes, I think they're going to struggle. There's not a great deal of story left, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think there may have been if they hadn't have done that ending yeah, so I mean, abruptly. I wasn't as invested in the Bradley Whitford character. I don't think they explained him very well. But the well. beard, Matt, the beard. The beard, <laughs> the beard. okay, yeah, there was a beard. They could still explore that, the sort of the the beginnings of Gilead almost was when she was in the Boston Globe and we got a little bit of that at the beginning as well. His almost sort of regret of how far it's got sort of thing and his disregard for his own rules. And I read somewhere that 
the creator said they could do up to ten seasons, and I'm well, like, no, they, they can't. They, <laughs> the, the, um, it wasn't the creator; it's the head of Hulu. Oh, it is basically Hulu's only hit, really. Their mm. their big mainstream hit. So you would try and keep it on for as long as possible. You know, they had to do something if they were going to do a third season, and they really had to keep June in in Gilead. So. It was it, it was um, plausible reason that she wanted to take her her first daughter Hannah and get her out of Gilead as well. But I'm hoping that it's not another thirteen because I don't think there's a lot of, without retreading the same ground. There's not a lot of places they can take it, in my opinion. I was thinking to myself at the time, this is solely just for the purpose of them getting another season. It did feel a bit contrived at the time, but I think. I can see why they potentially did it now. The first three episodes, it was almost like series 2A and 2B, if yeah. you like, because you had the first three episodes where, you know, she'd escaped and she was in the Boston Globe and then they brought her back again. And then it felt to me like season two really kicked in on episode four when she was back, you know, living with the Waterfords. And I mean, I still think Elizabeth Moss is fantastic. And I mean, that episode where, you know, the one where she gives birth is just is stunning. It, you know, it's mainly just her. I mean, I enjoyed this series because there was a lot more separate strands now. You know, you're not just stuck in Gilead. You can go to the colonies. You can go to Canada for a bit. You've got, you've established all these different characters in different areas. And obviously they still do the flashbacks as well. So I think the pace of it has been a bit better this time. It's still a bit of a slog. And I think I found it being at 13 a bit long, but individual episodes I really, really liked. Where could they take it that... that all of us would be happy because I feel like Serena's still there, obviously. The commander's still there. I would imagine that Anne Dowd as Lydia will return because she might win an Emmy later In a this year. <laughs> I honestly have no idea where it's going to go from here. I just have have somewhat faith that if they end it that way, they know where they're going. The setup has been such a huge part of it in terms of the fact that she was in the home, that it was very much in the Waterford house for the first season. And I was totally shocked at the start of the season when she escaped. So mm. then they brought her back into it in season two. And I was worried that it was going to be a bit repetitive considering we went through all of this in the first season. But I think there was enough originality there to, to play out to the end of this season. I don't mm. think that could work for a third. I think there will have to be something massively different moving forward otherwise we're just going to risk repeating the exact same storylines again they haven't really set anything up have they they haven't no. oh i wonder what happens there i think that's the apart from the obvious you know june wants to get her daughter there isn't like separate smaller strands of oh you know we need to finish this off because normally when you go into a new season you've got all the things that you still need to know but there isn't a lot really with the handmaid's tale in my opinion Let's talk briefly about one of the most overworked uh, actresses on US television at the moment, Sydney Sweeney, who <laughs> was in Everything Sucks at the start of the year, then The Handmaid's Tale, then basically she's, apart from Everything Sucks, Everything Sucks, spoiler alert if you haven't seen that, that's the one show I've seen her in where she doesn't have a horrific death, or any <laughs> death, now Now I think about it. That again was a, was a story they could have told over a longer period we could have got to know Eden a bit before the horrific scenes in the in the swimming baths. Do you think they that was something else they rushed, or do you think 
the character would have worn thin and they did it at the right time. I do think they rushed it a bit towards the end. She would never betray anyone. She wanted she wanted to be a part of Gilead from the very beginning. And then all of a sudden in one episode, I, I didn't get an impression that she was with that that guard. And then all of a sudden they were together. And then the next episode, they like ran away together. It would have been better had they had slightly more episodes or if they'd focused a bit more on that as it went on. I do think they potentially killed her off a bit too quickly. Especially because she's young and she's the first character that we've seen that's grown up in the world and Mm -hmm. doesn't know anything other than that. It wasn't as if she had a a life prior to Gilead being a thing. So it would have been interesting to spend more time with her and see this world through her eyes. She at times almost felt like a bit of a plot device rather than a fully-fledged character, which is a shame because, you know, we, Sydney Sweeney is a, is a great young actress, so... But yeah. I did... I think the sort of the death scene, they needed a sort of spectacular moment in that penultimate um, episode, and I think that sort of provided it, really. Now I'm looking back at it and analysing it, I, I, I enjoyed the season a lot. It's probably one of my favourite shows of the year, and I'm going to think about it a lot, but... The pacing of it was odd now we look back because mm. things happen quickly and other things happen slowly. Yeah. I feel like they, they know what they're doing and where they're going, but it was interesting the way you said 13 was too many, but we're also saying that things should have lasted a bit longer. It's a strange thing that we don't often say about a TV show that it was too long, but we wanted bits to be more fleshed out there is a bit of a debate going on online most people say they cannot sit through they, or they, they're happy with one episode a week i'm the total opposite i really wish that it was all released in one go i would love to binge watch it i i probably will re-watch the whole series again before series three starts even though it's it's affected me probably more than any other piece of entertainment i've ever sat through yeah. i do think about it a lot I love watching it. I really love watching it. It's really compelling. Do you like dystopian stuff? Because this is about as far out of my comfort zone with a TV show. I've probably gone outside of The Leftovers, <laughs> which is similar. So do you seek out dystopian stuff or is it just this that has really spoken to you for whatever reason? In general, I do like dystopian stuff, but I think that they can suffer from a lot of plot contrivances and whatnot but i think the fact that this one was so excellently written like i know people like yourself don't like this type of genre and have found this incredibly addictive because it's so well written i don't think there's anything specifically generic about it i think it's excellently written it was a brave move to get through the whole book in the first season because then you've got to do more (laughs) of your own stuff it's got to feel authentic, it's got to feel like the source material, but you haven't got any of it to look back on. One of my favourite moments was the, the the barn episode that you likened to the 24th episode where Kim is attacked well, by the cougar very nearly. The whole episode, just the, no, just the, the wolf big bit moment. with the wolf stalking round, I thought, oh, here we go, Kim Bauer and with the cougar. The series as a whole did, I, I think, suffer from sort of pacing problems, um, but individual episodes i thought that was brilliant and the one where it's with baby angela when she's ill and you know they try and get uh, janine to sit with her and trying to convince like the men to let that happen and i thought that was a really good one but i think individual episodes will stick with me but i think the series as a whole maybe not finally then i just wanted to talk about 
the way they cleverly shifted my allegiances, I suppose. I felt sympathy for Lydia. I think they made her a more sympathetic character this year. You could see her wavering slightly, but more yeah. so Serena as well. I mean, that was never something I was expecting, and I think... Oh, no, yeah, I think Chris. they were trying to. I think they were trying to do that for a while. I think you know you saw that she was the more intelligent part of that marriage. You saw that she, you know, she was breaking down and she was questioning whether it was a good idea. And her motivation is wanting a child. And I'm assuming when she was shot, was she shot outside that lecture or stabbed? I can't remember. She was shot. I think. Shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, shot. I'm assuming that had something to do with why she can't have children. Yeah. And I think the. The, the reason for her sticking in Gilead was to have a child and you, you got that impression and I think the performance from Yvonne Strakowski in this was probably my favourite over Elizabeth Moss. If the handmaids that are all in in the colonies or escape to Canada, who'd have thought the Canada would be a great place to escape to, but if they, <laughs> if they have all gone now and the focus is on Elizabeth Moss trying to track down Hannah and confronting Serena is that going to be enough for you just that as far as Elizabeth Moss is concerned Stephen or do you want her I don't know whether she'll be fighting against anything this time it's definitely going to be completely different this time but yeah I I think for me that would be enough to keep it watch on the episode that you were talking about a minute ago the one where she solo held that was is one of my personal favorites so I completely mm. think she will be enough to hold my interest I mean yeah the moments when she was going to shoot them in that house that didn't there's definitely something electric about the three of them together I I just I just hope that like I said that the the ideas that they have for the third season don't change what I enjoy so much about it yeah. to the point where it doesn't feel enough like The Handmaid's Tale for me to gravitate towards it in the same way. Are we going to talk about Sharp Objects? We can touch on that, yeah. Sharp, sharp Objects still on. Sky Atlantic, Monday nights or two in the morning if you're that way inclined. I'm still enthralled. I thought the, the not the episode that was just on, yeah. but the prior one was really compelling. And, and this is the one I've not, I've not seen episode six. Cause we're going to avoid spoilers for that. Calhoun that Calhoun the one that was the party at her house. Yes. Calhoun yes. day. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. This last episode, it was one that had some interesting set pieces, but on the whole, I found there was too much filler for me. Personally. There was an awful lot of filler, and and a lot of it was very dark. I mean, not dark in tone, it's already dark. But dark to look at, but a lot of it I couldn't see. I was listening to another podcast. Don't worry, it's a film <gasps> podcast. They were talking about this, and one of the podcast hosts said that she was really enjoying it. And then another podcast host, he said that he'd read the book and was finding this dull because he knows that the book hasn't got enough story to stretch over eight episodes and right. having watched this That's having watched this last episode I would I would tend to agree mm, but absolutely yeah, I'm, this... I I have to say that I'm quite tempted to read the book after I've seen the series normally you're the other way around normally you're like oh I've read the book and I'd like to watch the show but I think I would like to read the book and I I now give this out as my recommendation if anyone says to me oh you know is there anything good on I go sharp objects yeah I recommend immediately it to someone. Yeah, I, I recommend it whenever if I am with the general public then I will recommend it um but yeah I, th- I think the last episode that Gary hasn't seen it was it, I mean I I couldn't find it for a long time and I was 
panicking that I wouldn't be able to see it and then I found it and it was kind of underwhelming and not a lot happens and I'm just I, what I'm hoping is that the next two the last two will pick up the pace again because even our reviewer said there wasn't a lot to review in in the most recent one but it's still absolutely mesmerizing the way it's directed I think the visuals are, are better than anything on TV at the moment and I liked what I liked I... about the episode of Calhoun Day was the the origins of the the um, wind gap. I loved all that and the, the catchiness of the town as well. And having yeah. all the characters together, which is rare for something like mm. sharp objects to bounce off one another, because normally it's Amy Adams in a room with one or two of them. But they were all. There. It felt like watching a twisted episode of Gilmore Girls in a way, because they always used to have these oh, gosh, small yeah, town did, events. I really enjoyed it because you got like the new sort of different dynamics so you got patricia clarkson with the you know the office the, the one they call kansas city you know you've got bits with the sisters and and obviously seeing the marks that she'd cut on herself oh, i thought all that in the changing room the was changing, really yeah Stop. we've never got anything new to say about this show but but that's because what it does it does really well i think this is why we've not felt the need to do it weekly or felt you know as you say your reviewer has found Maybe that there's not been a lot to say about every episode, but that's because it does something and it knows what it does and it does it really well. It doesn't try and do anything different. You know, when we get to the end of the series, we're going to look back on it fondly, but we're not going to think, oh, that was groundbreaking for its plot. We're just going to say it was groundbreaking for its visuals and its look and its music and its acting. Sharper Objects still on Sky Atlantic. Uh, the episodes are there to download or watch on Now TV or the box that's there. And it's on 9 o'clock on Monday nights or 2am, simulcast with HBO. Seek it out. We love it. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Now, Gary, you put something out interesting on Twitter, which I don't know if you had any responses to. You told people we were going to be podcasting and you said we were going to be talking about Unforgotten and how, well, how were they expect. feeling. Matt's now seen all six and I did a very rare thing where I asked him to tell me what the ending was. So I know the conclusion and where it's going. And I have to say, something's not working for me personally, but I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. It's not working for me, this. I don't know still, why. Still, still. yeah. So it was the, the end of this episode was them basically bringing in Alex Jennings, yeah. finding the thing about him driving back to the property on the 3rd of January 2000. Yeah. The big sort of red herring eliminated in, in Kevin McNally's son. Because um, yeah. they said he, he must have hit a deer. I did notice on the opening credits that there was like a picture of an an, like an uh, animal sign. Ah, uh, right. The other thing was obviously James Fleet's thing with the credit card, like looking at images, harrowing images, let's just say. That was to do with credit card fraud. So it was like all eliminating all the red herrings all at once. Uh, and obviously Neil Morrissey died. I mean, Luke, you've said several times that you're sort of struggling with the the the, the four character now yeah, three. I just watch it and then I and then it's over and it doesn't. See, I think you'll feel differently after me. you watch the last episode. I hope um, so. I hope I, so. I, I, and I think there's the stuff in here with Nicola Walker has been very good. And yeah. I feel that when you've been saying about like not liking the four characters, I think now on balance, having watched it all, I think they could have got rid of one of them, and I'll tell you which one next week, and 
the fourth story could have been looking at Haley's family because I think in this I, episode well, and no, the next I, one, Bronner War has been absolutely fantastic. Well, and my favourite scenes been, are hers. Yeah, that would have been because if you remember in the last series, you had the man in the suitcase, his family. You know, his yeah. son was suicidal. His wife was a police officer who, you know, who was up to retirement, but then was discharged because, you know, they found out her husband was this horrible man who was like sexually abusing people. They could have done something similar here because she was a twin. You know, she's lived in the shadow of this, you yeah. know, this murder, this unsolved mystery. The, there was also the storyline of the teacher, wasn't yeah, there? That, that that disappeared complete, as well. that, that's finished. You, yeah. you see him, you see him in one like scene where he, he doesn't even say anything in the last episode. The blogger, right. that's her done. That's her done. That seemed to be just to build up to the reason for someone to stab and kill Neil Morrissey, really. Another point I will make as well is that I think the fact the re one of the reasons this is my theory that you're struggling to care about the secondary characters is that the the sort of tertiary characters, their friends and family, are all really bad actors. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Neil Morris's yeah. wife. Yeah, Neil oh. Morris. She's like got a face on it constantly. <laughs> I didn't like... understand why she even married him in the first place. No. She hates him. She hates. She seems to hate, hate life. The, the yeah. only one, the only one that I thought was interesting was the doctor's ex-wife. Yeah, who, I would agree with you. That. I know her from somewhere. From between been, the lines, from years ago. That's it. She I think was a lot... she's been on like a whole B or a casualty as well recently. Yeah, like Kevin McNally's son and the daughter yeah. of Jennings, and there's so many of these. Like, I mean, if you remember last series, we had like. Holly Ed and, and Nigel Lindsay and I'm trying to remember the actor's name, the one who's in Coronation Street who played, it's Charlie oh, something. It's Charlie Condu. Charlie Condu. And they were all, re, you know, memorable. Yeah. Wendy Craig yeah. as well. They were all very memorable characters and, and played by good actors, whereas here, when it, and, and I suppose even like the, you know, James Fleet Syrian yeah. love interest. Boring, boring, yeah. boring. I'll be interested to see how you feel after next week's because I think there is a really strong like three performance from Nicola Walker in the final episode. I think. Okay, I think. Okay, what I want to say is I think you've just hit the nail on the head because one of my favourite scenes of this series was the scene where Bronner War goes into Nicola Walker's hotel room and says, I need to let you know that you're not going to be welcome because we've lived in this place for ages and the town or the village doesn't like a finger of suspicion pointed at it and all the cameras and stuff and it was really compelling and she speaks about being a twin and and all of that I found really engaging and stuff and then they've not been there and Mm. the focus has been on all these boring people that I don't give two hoots about that I won't remember yeah, and I love Bronner War in The Fool as well I think she was the best thing about that really certainly in the last series where it all went bonkers and I think also having been there and having spoken to them all, and they're saying we're doing threads on, you know, the the, the we're doing threads on social media, and we're doing threads on, on you know how it's affected people, and we're doing. You, you don't think he based I, that blogger character on you, do you, Luke? No, I'm far more talkative than she ever was. But the, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, though, that that probably might have worked if you had more than six episodes to do. And I suppose the problem was is that that her reveal about wanting to be famous was such a slight thing. Wanting to get noticed, wasn't it? Yeah. She hadn't been able to get a job. Exactly. You got nothing about that because she was a silent character. 
and the only thing real hint towards that was that she seemed happy when she got lots of likes for her post. That was your only hint. Yeah, her even she was fame. quite. Even it was a very quite, subtle hint. She had a face on her all the time as well, yeah. and and but, and, but and then, then we've got Sanjeev Bhaskar with his wife coming Peter. back, in, who we've never really heard that much about. No. Who, who again, I'm not that invested in. So I think it's just that there are threads there that I like, but the camera's pointing away from them and pointing yeah. at people. Whereas you've like. got Nicola Walker, whose world is, you know, you know, her dad's moving out and. I find I found the scene and... with her dad, mm. and the the scene out where she blo- broke up with the trauma police officer, the best of that episode. Yeah, I, I just don't know. It's such a shame because Unforgotten. It's just something's not working, and I think it's. I think you've described it better than I ever could in that the focus is perhaps on the wrong people for me and there's a good there's good story there but we're not seeing it and perhaps if we were in the states or on someone else that we could get 10 episodes of this and and flesh it out a bit more but we are yeah. limited we are limited with our six and it's a shame because a lot of the good stuff's I- getting lost Okay, so that's Unforgotten. It concludes Sunday at 9 on ITV. I'll talk briefly um, about Mark Kermode's uh, Secrets of Cinema. I know, Luke, please you've do. watched one of these. Yes, do. please do. Uh, Gary, I, I have a gripe. I've seen a, a three, and I have a gripe about one of them, but go on. I've seen the sci-fi, the, yeah. the loved one, and the coming of age. Obviously, I'm a big Mark Como fan, and... That girl's um, got the book. <laughs> Uh, I, I like I, I, I like the the sort of format of this like they would talk almost like an essay. I like the, the sort of use of clips he has and the sort of comparisons he draws between films. I do find him a bit awkward when you go to him in the studio and he's just standing up for an hour. My favourite of the three that I've seen is the coming of age one. That has got a lot of films that I have really enjoyed and it's sort of he makes comparisons between like Lady Bird and American Graffiti. And there's quite a lot of bit about Moonlight in there and Stand By oh, Me I and love things. Moonlight. Yeah, so that would be one. I, I did say it for you to check that one out, Luke, because it I has got a lot. Of... And and Gary, I'm guessing has a gripe about the sci-fi one. Well, un- only that he, he missed a number of things. In but you my can't opinion. carry it, cover everything um, in an hour. What uh, did he I, miss? Tri- uh, he, he missed an awful lot of how the influence of Star Wars. He also missed Dune. He focused on a couple of films that he really likes, and I think mm. that's the only thing I would have to say about. Yeah, because he, do, yeah, no, that's true. Because he isn't a big fan of Star Wars. He didn't. He, I remember him saying he didn't really get Star Wars until The Force Awakens. Yeah, and, and I understand that. But if you're mm. doing a series on Star on, on science fiction, you have to. I feel like you have to. And I know it's got his name in the title, so I do realise it's more than just. Well, it's right. It's it's co-written with a, a guy called Kim Newman, who does a lot yeah, of I know, yeah. horror stuff in Empire Magazine. And and I suppose, but the thing is, when you say you're going to do a show about the, the sort of like the history of sci-fi films, to not include certain things. Well, it's it, not the history of it. It's sort of like well, it's the way in which they're made. He goes through elements of of yeah. sci- of the genre, so. But he I can't hear everything, and the he one, the one, I was going to say the one good thing that any Mark Kermode show does is it gives you two or three things that you think, oh, I'll like check that out. And I think the thing is, out of all of the episodes I've seen, there's been two or three films that I've gone, oh, actually, I wouldn't mind watching that. But I know I've not seen Interstellar, so I would like to watch that. He did a good Ooh. job of kind of like showing what that was. That's Luke and it, it not crime heist. No, except that I need to remember that it's a thing, and I need to watch the coming of age one because I know I'll enjoy I, it. I play my friend. It's all on iPlayer. Okay then, uh, pick of the week. Um, 
Sharp Objects is still on. I'll go for that. I will go for Celebrity MasterChef. Surprise, surprise. I know Luke doesn't like it, and I don't care. It's on twice a week. I think it's probably even on three times a week, isn't it? Because they do like a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm, Get it out Uh, of the way. Get it out of the way, as Luke says. Uh, but I quite like it, and I think it is a, a highlight to the fact that they are, you know, we are turning the page to autumn television uh, when you get things like this. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I'm not going to at least watch the first episode of Celebrity Big Brother. Um, yeah. There's a lot of celebrities next week, isn't there? The celebs oh, yeah. on the farm, celebs of Big Brother, celebs of MasterChef. There's the the rallying thing with Noel Evans. Yeah. Hopefully there's a massive crush. I mean, at the, the end only of thing that looks vaguely interesting that, and again, Sky Witness is the Alan Cumming thing. Instinct. Oh, it's not. It's. We'll, we'll, it? We will. We will discuss that. It. My my. You haven't is, seen it. I have, Sorry, yeah. Gary. You I have. have. From what I've seen, it's Alan Cumming and no one else. Like literally, like he's the only thing watchable in it. But we will discuss it properly next week. Oh, yeah, and okay. Man Hunting with My Mum on, on Channel 4. Is that Tuesday. what you're going to be doing? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, is that a document? Yeah. <laughs> I that's, don't what know does, that's what Matt does at the weekends. Luke at Luke Custer TV on I Twitter. I suppose, no, no, no. Sorry, in all seriousness, a uh, final episode of Unforgotten. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, social media is then Facebook. Basically, add the Custer TV to all of these things. Facebook, YouTube, uh, all the podcasting apps. Please review us. Get us up the charts a bit on iTunes and the like. Um, all on Twitter at the Gary Show at Matt's TV Bites and at Luke Custard TV. What else is there? Um, Patreon if you want to support us on there. More extra portions going out or extra helpings going up. I know you've plugged it, but can I just uh, congratulate Matt on the excellent work he's done on YouTube, getting up a Thank lot you, of stuff, a yeah. lot of stuff, uh, uh, which is which is great because it, it, you know I think those individual reviews uh, yeah. do stand out. Yeah. Um, and we will be back soon with another edition of the Custard TV podcast. Autumn is coming, as they say in Game of Thrones. I presume they really don't say that. Do they no. not? And maybe uh, in the prequels. <laughs> maybe they will. Yeah. 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 The BBC, from what I can tell, are really you know got some hits on their hands. And uh, we also know that the Bake Off is back on the twenty eighth of August as well on Channel Four. So Noel's had it... his hair cut. That's the thing my mother said when she saw the advert. No, yeah. had his haircut. They've all had a haircut. I think it must have been a bargain deal. All four of them went in and now correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the second series of the Channel yes. Four one? It feels is. like it's been on forever. It's confusing. Well, it has on the BBC. I don't know if you remember. Oh um, yeah, that's probably what it is. We'll be back <laughs> soon. Take care. Bye. 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 Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. The Jeep Black Friday sales event is here with incredible deals on a wide selection of Jeep 4x4 vehicles. Right now, get 15% below MSRP for an average of 11514 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE Overland or Summit. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 11514 average based on 15% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee 4xE Overland and Summit models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 1130. Jeep is a registered trademark.